What's good, everybody, and welcome to a new episode of the I'm Tell Like a Jerry Is podcast. Podcast, excuse me, with your host, yours surely, Jai Shields, here on this Wednesday, June the fifteenth, the year two thousand and twenty-two. Lots to do here on this midweek program. Recap Game Five of the NBA Finals between the Golden State Warriors and the Boston Celtics. And also uh, preview Game 6 at, at the TD Garden as the series shifts uh, back to Boston uh, on Thursday night. Give you a couple of items as far as, major, as, far as uh, the NFL is concerned. Make a Fitzpatrick is signed. I will discuss that in relation to Jesse Bates, the Bengals All-Pro safety. Looking for a, uh, looking for a new contract. I give my thoughts on that. Uh, I give you my thoughts on, you know, not, not that it's a big deal, not that it's worthy of me talking about, but you know, what do you want me to do? Break down the, uh, break down Orioles and Blue Jays up in Toronto or the Yankees who feels like they haven't lost the game since, uh, Anthony Santander walked them off in mid-May about a month ago. Uh, the Braves and their 12, 12, 13 game winning streak, the Phillies, you know, are up and down inconsistent as all how blow a game to the Marlins last night. Cause they're bullpen and bloated in there. They got, they're one of the worst defensive teams in the sport. And then all of a sudden another, uh, three run walk off home run to knock off the Marlins earlier this afternoon on Wednesday, the angels can't buy a hit against the uh, Dodgers at Chavez Ravine. I mean, with the the Mets can the Mets are keeping the pressure on the Braves as they haven't lost a game in about two weeks. So I mean, what the, there's not many other places to go for a midweek program to discuss, you know. So I'll do what I can. I will find elements uh, within the sport within the sports news cycle that I find interesting that I feel like I can get a lot of juice out of as far as giving off. Of, uh, opinions and uh, and you, you guys know me I do not like leaning on the NFL and talking NFL when I don't have to when it's you know when it's not in season you know I last thing I want to do is talk NFL football middle of June but outside of baseball here and there uh and there's very 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 little people that listen to the show anyway uh you know but you know not everybody in America gives a damn about the Atlanta Braves the New the New York Yankees the Philadelphia Phillies and the Baltimore Orioles and I even did a little Orioles on Saturday but that wasn't even necessarily regarding the product on the field it was about the lawsuit between you know amongst the ownership well, amongst powers that be in ownership that I wanted to uh, kick and scream about for a good 20-plus minutes. But we will discuss a little bit Cincinnati Bengals and Pittsburgh Steelers with Minka. And uh, one Major League Baseball item of note that you can, you know, pinpoint that kind of, that, you know, every baseball fan should know about and care about is a setback with Fernando Tatis Jr., who still cannot uh, hold and swing a bat. Uh, we'll get into him a little bit later on in the show. But as far as the NBA playoffs are concerned, ladies and gentlemen, the Boston Celtics are finished. They, they, they're finished. They're done. Series is over. They're through. It's it. That's it. Wave the white flag. Give the Larry O'Brien trophy to the Golden State Warriors. And give uh, Steph Curry his, uh, what would be, what, his fourth, his fourth championship? It might, as, might, as well, might as well give it to him. Because the, because the Celtics are just, they're not, they're not winning game six. And if they do win game six, they're not winning game seven on Father's Day. This is a, this is a team right now, ladies and gentlemen, that, 
was frust that has been frustrating as hell to watch since the second half of game four. They've been frustrating as hell to watch. As not even as someone who's not even a Celtics fan, who's been rooting for them to win this series, but from not even a Celtics fan, so a border, you know, quote unquote, from a neutral side, really doesn't have a dog in the fight. Although I want Boston to win, it's been frustrating to watch this team play since since the second half of Game Four. They, for whatever the reason, for whatever the reason are just not able to get into a groove and to stay in one from quarter one to quarter four for a full 48 minutes. Whatever the reason, they're just not able to get into a groove and to stay in that groove. They, Their turnovers are absolutely just pathetic. Their magic number is 16 when they turn over the basketball 16 times less than 16 times they win when they turn the ball over 16 times or more they lose game five they turned over the basketball uh they turn over the basketball 18 times golden state only turned only turned it over seven and that right there in and of itself is what's been wrong with boston in game four and in game five they are shooting themselves in the foot one step forward, two steps back, beating themselves simply by turning over the basketball. You cannot in any of the sports where turnovers are a factor, where it's where where the two teams go up and down the field, go up and down the playing surface. That's basketball, that's hockey, that's football. That's lacrosse. That's soccer. All five of those sports. Soccer, lacrosse, basketball, hockey, football. You cannot win in any of those five sports by turning over the ball slash, in hockey's case, the puck. You can't do it. Part of winning... In any of those five sports, a good part of winning that goes into winning is not turning over the ball. Is making sure that when you have the offensive possession that you capitalize on it and you put the ball in the net. Or in football's case, you put the ball in the end zone. You cannot squander offensive possessions and squander scoring opportunities by giving your opposition free possessions Constantly, one time, one you know, if 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 the opposing defense makes a great play, you tip your hat to them. It happens a couple times in a game, like Golden State, only seven times, and uh, and three out of the seven times are real bonehead, asinine mistakes made by the, made by the offense. A terrible pass, you know, miscommunication. You throw the ball out of bounds. You, you know, you somehow get the ball stripped of you dribbling around the arc, you know, up the baseline, your your foot steps out of bed. Fine. But 18 turnovers? Really? It's just, it's, it's just completely, completely inexcusable for the way that Boston turns over the basketball ad infinitum. Constantly from the first quarter to the last. It's inexcusable. 
And another thing about Boston too that kind of wear that's wearing me out a little bit is the moaning and groaning with the officials. And it's both sides too. It's Green. It's Steph Curry on Golden State as well. But with Boston, they are always, always looking to the official, looking for the call. And we all know that the officiating thought these NBA playoffs for about the last about about a month and a half going on, damn near two months. We all know that the officiating in the NBA playoffs has been dubious and has been suspect, to put it lightly and to put it nicely. Dubious and suspect. We all know it. We've all seen it. We're all aware of it. But at the same time, okay, you got to be able to put your head down and just do your job and let the officials do theirs. You can't control whether or not the official is is, is going to call a game tight, going to call a game loosely, what he's going to let go, what calls what calls he's going to blow his whistle on. You, you know, you can't you cannot control that. You cannot control how an official is going to officiate and dictate the ebb and flow and the and and the and the uh and the tune of the game you can't control that what you can control is how you play and making sure that you don't put yourself in a position to get those fouls called against you and to put your opponents in positions to foul you if you don't get it that's the nature of the game but every single time it's it's with the arms up it's with the arms up the disgusted or confused twisted look on the face and bump, and, and belly aching and moaning going to the officials i love jason Tatum, but every single 5 seconds he's turning he's moaning and groaning belly aching to the officials looking for a call jason stop bumping your gums to scott foster tony brothers get your, stop worrying about the officials put your head down nose to the grindstone Focus on Golden State and do your job, okay? You cannot control what the officials do, okay? Let Ime Udoka let the, and let your coaches sitting on the bench, let them moan and groan and bellyache and give the officials a hard time. When you're playing at home in the TD Garden, let the fans get all over the officials and let them hear about it, okay? Unless it's something blatantly egregious, where you feel like you really got screwed over, or and, and you either got called for foul, and, you, and, you, and it was and it was so egregious, where where you're looking at it on replay, and say, oh no, that's not a foul, or the exact opposite was like, oh, where's the foul? Unless it's something like that, he's got he's got to stop every single time. There's either a whistle, or that he thinks that's a, that a whistle, or he thinks a whistle should be blown that it isn't. Looking to the referees for sympathy, wanting wanting a call. And he's just not the only one. Grant Williams, smart, all of them. Got you, Steph Curry. You know, Steph, Steph Curry thinks every single time he he gets briefed on, he's got to go to the free throw line. Now, the one shot that he had in in game four in Boston on Friday night, where he had a nice three, he clearly got fouled. That, but that that's that I can understand. Blatantly fouled, they don't call it. You can scream yell to to, to the cows come home, but blatant little ticky tack stuff. What are we doing? Put your head down and play the games. Let your coaches worry about the refs, not you. And I feel like, especially within the last few games, Boston has been so preoccupied 
with the officials and them not thinking they're not they're not getting and with them thinking they're not getting a decent whistle that all focus has been lost in trying to get the job done and beating the Golden State Warriors for an NBA championship. Now that's how I feel. That may not be the case, but that's how I feel from outsider's perspective watching this series. Because the way I see it, bosses should be more concerned with not turning over the basketball 18 times than they are whether or not Tony Brothers is blowing his whistle. Worry about and take care of your own business, which you can control first. And let the officiating and everything else fall where it may after the fact. You take care of business first. You control what you can control. Okay, it's not the referee's fault that every single time you turn around, you guys are blowing possessions and literally wasting them, turning the basketball over. It's not the referee's fault when you guys fall into this love fest with shooting the three pointers, leaving the lane wide open, middle of the floor. We got Al Horford on your damn team, shooting 90 million threes, and all but two of them go in. Okay, one, it's not the official's fault where in the last five minutes and 15 seconds of the fourth quarter of game four, you guys only scored three points. Or in game five the other night, we guys went 0 of 15, whatever it was, shooting from three until the until the fourth quarter came around and you guys and you, and you guys started getting a little hot for a second. And then the fourth quarter came around and you guys went back to garbage. You know, it's just you can you can't have you cannot have you you cannot win championships playing that way. Live by the sword, die by the sword. You you can't. You gotta be balanced. And baseball, you see the baseball, you see the same thing. Teams live by the home run, they die by the home run. When they don't hit home runs they and they can't score, well, typically the teams that lead the universe in hitting home runs, more times than not, they they don't end up winning the World Series championship. Just the way it is. Football, a little bit of the same thing. Teams that live and die by by the by the by the big passing play, nine times out of ten they don't they don't win Super Bowls. Some of them do. Kansas City Chiefs outliers, but you know, you just because you just because you're a big play off the the the, the big play offense doesn't necessarily mean you're guaranteed to win a Lombardi every single year. And it's just it's it's frustrating. Honestly, guy, it's fr- as a basketball fan, it's frustrating as hell to watch. You know, eleven to thirty. You know, I mean, they shot better from three than Golden State did, but Golden State, uh, in general, from from the field, forty six percent. Boston only forty one percent, and that was the difference in the game. And that was the difference in Game Five the other night. But Golden State knew, and Steve Kerr, give him credit, Steve Kerr and that team said to themselves, look, the three-point shot ain't going tonight for us. We're shooting 22%. We didn't jack, we jacked, in total, they jacked up 43s and only made nine of them. The three ball ain't falling for us tonight. Okay, Steph Curry isn't going to drop 40 like he did in game four on Friday night at the Garden. Okay. He's having a, he's having his first bad night of the series. Seven to twenty-two, zero of nine from three, sixteen points was horrible in the game. Horrible offensively, horrible. But we say you know what we're go- we but Steve Kerr and the crew say you know what 
That's no problem. We'll take what they're giving us. We'll adjust. We will shift. We will. Ri- we won't have the ball in Steph Curry, in Steph Curry's hands a lot. What we'll, we'll do? Clay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins. Time for you guys to step up. Clay Thompson scored five of Golden State's made threes. Was five eleven from three. Got a little hot. Scored twenty one points, fifty percent from the field. And Andrew Wiggins will rely on you. We got you here for a reason. Twelve to twenty three, twenty six points, thirteen rebounds, two assists, a steal, and a block. That's what championship teams do. When their best player has an off night, or their primary reason of or their primary resource, I should say, resource or, or or tool of beating you doesn't work. They know how to ad- quickly adjust on the fly. They know how to adjust and change their game plan mid-game. And say, okay, that's not working. All right, bet. We'll go to the next thing. That's that's Wiggins. You kill him. You kill him with the mid-range game. You kill him inside. Let's make our twos. Make our layups. Finish at finish inside the paint at the basket. Clay Thompson, you get hot. You get hot a little bit, and uh, and and uh, you get hot. You get hot a little bit from three, and we'll play good defense. Won't give Boston any room to breathe, and we should be all right. Championship teams do that. I have not seen Boston. Do- Boston fell in love with the three, and I tweeted multiple times on Friday night and on Monday night. Boston guys, stop shooting the three. It's not working. The clock is not in your favor. It's about the six, five, four, three-minute mark. And Boston just keeps up hoisting up threes as the game is getting further and further and further and further and further and further and further away from them. Like, when is enough going to be enough? Enough. When you guys going to wake up, smell the coffee, and snap out of it with, with, with shooting 90 million threes? When? When? The, as I'm looking at the clock, tick, 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 tick. Your season is ticking. Your season and your championship hopes are literally ticking away by the second. Meanwhile, we're still shooting up, hoisting up threes. Rarely put, put, uh, try to punish Golden State inside. And when we do, and we do attempt to punish them inside, driving inside, we miss, we miss layups. It's just inexcusable. Inexcusable. You know, again, you you can. It's just they they they're done. I'm sorry. I see the I see their emotion. I see their body language. Golden Golden State's Golden State's gonna win the NBA championship come Thursday night. I hope I'm wrong. I'm hope I hope Boston wins the series. Uh, wins the series in seven games. I hope uh they force a game seven on Thursday night. But I honestly, but I honest honestly in my heart of hearts, I don't believe it. I understand this has been a mentally tough basketball team all season long. I understand their their their, their plight. Since January, I understand they're one of the best defensive basketball teams in the NBA, which is why they represent the Eastern Conference as as conference champions. And I get all that. I'm not saying that they didn't deserve to be here. I'm not saying that this that this team's filled with a bunch of scrubs. I'm not saying that they stink, but they're not better than the Golden State Warriors. They're not. 
They're not exponentially worse than them. No, they've won two games. One at one on the road, one at home. But I honestly do not expect nor think that this team down 3-2, having lost back-to-back games for the first time all series and I believe all postseason long. This team, historically this season, has been one of the best teams in the sport coming off of losses. I don't think they had yet lost the game head prior to game five coming off of a loss. But I, I, I just don't see it. You got Draymond Green back in. Draymond Green had his best game. Even though he got into foul trouble and fouled out, he had his best game that he's had all series. And the fact that you cannot capitalize on the fact, and this is no shade, no disrespect to Andrew Wiggins, but if you can't capitalize on Steph Curry having a 7-for-22 night shooting 0-of-9 from 3, what, what, what chance do you have? He's not going to shoot like that again in game six. I understand it's a road game. He's not, he dropped 40 last game in Boston last Friday. Wouldn't shock me if he if I don't expect him to drop forty again. But what well, would it shock me? No. Would it shock me if he ha, if he goes back to back games with a pathetic shooting night? Absolutely. And and if that do, and if that does happen and Boston ends up winning Game Six, then you're really going to be kicking yourself for not winning Game Four. But there's not too many nights playoff games, home playoff games now. Steph Curry goes all of nine, seven of twenty-two, and the Warriors win the game by double digits. Not not too many instances you can recall off the top of your head or go and look up War, Warriors winning games by ten points or more when Steph Curry has an off night, and and Clay Thompson was good, borderline I was sensational, dropping forty points of his own to pick up the slack. If Boston can't win. Uh, after the after the game, Steph Curry had in Game Four. Honest, honestly, what chance do they have? When they turn over the basketball left and right, they're living and dying by the three. They can't shoot the ball off a boat into 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 the San Francisco Bay. I mean, it's it, it, it it's it, it's it's pathetic. It really is pathetic. Andrew Wiggins, twenty six points, thirteen rebounds. First, it's the first time all season and the first time in his playoff career he led the team in points and rebounds. He's had an absolutely sensational series. He, he, honest to God, has been the second best player in this series. It's been Steph Curry and, and the Andrew Wiggins show, so give him all tremendous credit in the world. Um, it started, Celtics started off 12, made eight straight. Fourth quarter came, fourth quarter came around. They went back to their, they went back to their old ways. I mean, it's, 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 it's exhausting. Watching them sometimes. It is. They can't make a three, and then all of a sudden they can't miss one, and then it falls right back into the same trap again. They did all that work and had such a great... And and we know that the Golden State Warriors, to beat them, you got to win the third quarter. Like Miami, you got to win the third quarter to beat them. They're one of the best third quarter teams in the sport, and... The Celtics played their best basketball of the night in the third quarter and actually won the third quarter, beating them 35-24. to And yet they still lost the game. So outside of the third quarter of game five, three out of four quarters, quarters one, two, and four, 
And the second half of game four last Friday night, the Boston Celtics have been downright embarrassing and frustrating as hell to watch in this series. They were within an eyelash of having of having probably already won the NBA championship. They go back to San Francisco game five. They probably win. NBA season is over. We're, we're, we're not, we're, we're, this isn't even a topic of conversation if they hold on to their lead in game four on Friday night. But they couldn't. You know why? Turnovers. From quarter one to quarter four, the turnovers kept Golden State in the game. No matter how bad Draymond Green was, no matter how bad Clay Thompson was, no matter how bad every single Golden State Warrior was that night outside of Steph Curry, the turnovers that Boston kept producing and their piss-poor three-point shooting in the fourth quarter kept Golden State in the game and allowed Steph Curry to go off and allowed them to steal game four. What happened? Same thing I told you. They were able to ride that wave of that momentum back across the country, back to their home court, their home arena, and their home city. Game five in their building. Now, did I anticipate Steph Curry having an off night? No. But did I anticipate Boss, uh, Golden State winning, winning game five to take a 3-2 series lead? Absolutely, I did. And I don't think that Boston has what it takes to tie up this, I understand the crowd's going to be into it. I understand that the in the history of the Boston Celtics franchise, they've only lost they've only lost Game Six on their home floor one time to the Lakers in the mid '80s. I get that, I understand all that, but you got to see the writing on the wall, and the writing on the wall is that Golden State is too damn good. The two, they're much more well-rounded offensively than Boston is. They have a true point guard. Boston does not, which hurts them. They got they're more bigger, more physical, um, and, and and a stronger team than Golden State. And yet they feel the need to play Golden State's game and try to and, and try to play the what you can do, I can do better game. And that's out shoot Golden State from three, which which we've seen the last two games has ended up in complete disaster. And they turn over the basketball constantly. Now, not to mention they moan and groan and look to the official every single five seconds looking to get a whistle for a cheap foul call. Go, the Boston Celtics' chance to win the NBA championship was was lost when they lost game four about a week ago. I, I, know I, I believe at the beginning of the series I picked Warriors in six. I didn't anticipate Warriors in six like this. But it looks like my prediction might be correct. Because, ladies and gentlemen, the Boston Celtics are cooked. Just getting started. We shall continue. The I'm Teleki Podcast.
Welcome back to the Amatelica TIS podcast. Switching gears now to the National Football League. There's a couple items I want to get off my chest uh, here on this uh, show. And thank uh, you all very much uh, for listening here on this uh, middle, uh, here on this midweek show in the middle of the month of June. Today's poll question you can access. On the I'm Telling TIS podcast Spotify page, it is as follows. Should the Bengals give Jesse Bates III a contract extension? Yes or no? Should Jesse Bates receive a contract extension? From the Cincinnati Bengals. Yes or no. You can only access that poll. And share your two cents. On the I would tell like a TIS podcast channel page. On your handy dandy Spotify app. On the MacBook. PC. iPhone. iPad. Android. And on Spotify.com. And that brings us to this conversation because Minka Fitzpatrick, safety for my uh, hated my hated rival in the Pittsburgh Steelers, received a four-year extension up to seventy-three up to seventy-three point six million dollars. Received the contract extension. Uh, four-year deal, $18.4 million he'll make per year between the Steelers and Minka. Now, here is my, from Steelers' perspective, before I tie this into the Bengals, here's my two cents on that. First off, the Steelers are in a, are in a position where they can pay their position pl- or where they can pay the other position players on the roster. They can, they can, they can, they're in a position where they can afford to pay them. Because they have two quarterbacks on their roster who are cheap. Mitch Trubisky and rookie Kenny Pickett, who's made, who's making the you know, first round draft pick quarterback league minimum. You know, his what he's making is a is, is like spitting in the Atlantic Ocean is is how significant what Kenny Pickett is making uh when it comes to the Steelers salary cap. So the Steelers are in a, are in a situation where they're done playing where they're done paying Big Ben. 
Juju's gone. You know, they, you know, so they, so they have money to spend on their better players. Don't have to worry about, well, we got to make sure the offense is right, the quarterback, make sure we have quarterback, make sure the quarterback's paid. They don't have to worry about that. So, and you've seen that because who, who are the most recent big time contracts, contracts the Steelers have handed out over the last, over the last, uh, over the last six months to a year. TJ Watt, Minka Fitzpatrick. They're, Two, one of the two best players on the team, ironically enough, play on the same side of the ball, which is defense. And the Steelers are in a position where they're kind of like the Yankees a little bit in the mid-2010s where they were rebuilding while also competitive. They were rebuilding for the few, they were rebuilding for future championship contending windows but they were contending at the same time by making sure that they put the by making sure that their front office every single offseason put together a competitive watchable product on the field that if a couple things break the right way, you know, in the Yankees case they could win 80 85 86 87 89 90 games if if they put if things break their way and they put and they put their heart and souls into it still the same thing where we all know especially how vaunted and how packed and competitive the AFC is going to be this season Everybody in their mother knows, and every sensible Steelers fan that 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 has half a brain knows that the Pittsburgh Steelers are not a Super Bowl contender this heading into the season by any circumstances. But what's but there's no reason why they can't per, conduct and why they can't put together a solid competitive National Football League level roster and try to win nine. 10, maybe 11 games and maybe steal a wild card spot from somebody and get the young players on the roster like a Najee Harris, like a Kenny Pickett, and have them gain playoff experience. So they're kind of in that same situation, that same predicament that the Yankees were, you know, remember under Girardi, you know, under Girardi, how the Yankees were. When the red, when the red, when the Red Sox, when the Red Sox, uh, Blue Jays and Orioles traded turns, went traded turns, went in the division, and the Yankees weren't bad, but they weren't, you know, the cream of the crop of the sport like they have been essentially, or from the like they have been, and the cream of the crop of the division like they have been since two thousand and seventeen, where you know where they're competitive and they're good, but but they're not as great as they used to be, and they're not as good as obviously they are now. Kind of that the Steelers are kind of in that same predicament. I think that the Steelers should bite the bullet, swallow the pride, and blow it up. And me, as a diehard Bengals fan and lifelong Pittsburgh Steelers uh, hater, you know when you, when you're a football fan and you're born in the four one zero four four three, it 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 is in your bloodstream to hate the Pittsburgh Steelers. It, it has no, it has no difference whether you whether you're a Bengals fan or a Ravens fan. If you're a if if you're a football fan born in the state of Maryland, it is in your blood to despise and hate with every ounce in your soul and amongst your body and within your bloodstream to hate the to hate the living crap out of the Pittsburgh Steelers. So me as a diehard Steelers hater, I I I hate them. 
the Steelers and Yankees are the are the are the top two franchises in all the sports that I, that 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 if they lost, you know, if they finish in last place every single season to the day I die, I'd have a huge grin on my face. I hate them both, Yankees and the Steelers. I hate them. Can't stand them. I I hate I hate the logo, the the uniforms, the 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 the, 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 the smug cockiness of the ownership. All of them, from Rocklisberger to A-Rock, hate them. Absolutely hate them. So nothing would be more happy than to see the Steelers suffocate on their own lunch and have to bite the bullet and blow it up and start from scratch like the Bengals do, like the Browns do, like the Lions have been doing for years and centuries on end. So I, I so nothing made me happier more than that. But it looks like that's not going to happen. Therefore, the Steelers are basically going to try the route of being competitive while also rebuilding in the process. Because we all know that the Pittsburgh Steelers are not going to be one of the worst teams in the National Football League, but they're not up there with the juggernauts of the conference like the Chargers, the Broncos, the, the Bills, the Bengals, the Ravens. The Chiefs, even to a certain degree, they're not they're they're not they're not up there on that level. They might not even be as good as the I I honestly I don't think I don't think they're going to be as good as the as the Vegas Raiders. And I'm not completely sold on Vegas Raiders by any stretch of the imagination. But I don't think they won't even be as good as them. I think the Steelers will finish. They'll finish with a quote unquote respectable eight and nine record. And I, I understand it's mid June, and I don't, I don't have the schedule in front of me, and it's not the prediction show uh, that I love to do before the football season or early September every single year. But uh, and it will be what 18, 19, 20, 21, 22 it will be the my the the fifth upcoming this upcoming season will be the fifth NFL season I have quote unquote covered as an amateur broadcaster here on this uh, here on this. Uh, on this podcast, it's hard to believe it'd be five football seasons, which is crazy. But and I'm getting off the beaten path. They're in that position, and they're in a position where they can afford to, with their salary cap, pay the Mika Fitzpatrick's and the T.J. Watts and the Cam Haymards of the world top dollar because they don't have anybody to worry about on the books. Najee, so you know, second year player, still on rookie contract. Nobody or nobody, no wide receiver, no tight end. Fryermuth, no. Nobody else on the on the offensive side of the football that plays the skill positions are making are are requesting top dollar. Mitch Trubisky been around a little bit. We all know we all know he'd be out of his mind to ask to ask for a top dollar contract like these big name quarter like these big name quarterbacks have gotten. Uh, and of course, Kenny Pickett's a rookie. I mean, again, the Steelers won't have to worry about whether or not to pay him till what 2026, 2027. I mean, we, we got another four or five years before we have to worry about Kenny Pickett getting his money. And we don't even know if this kid's any good yet because he's yet to step on the field in a Steelers uniform in an actual real life game. So, sets the Steelers up in a position where they can make Mika Fitzpatrick the highest-paid safety in the National Football League at $18.4 million. Now, how it relates to the Cincinnati Bengals and my guy Jesse Bates is an interesting conversation because currently Jesse Bates is the 10th highest-paid safety in the league behind Quandre Diggs by about, th- about $100,000 
at twelve point at twelve point nine million. Quandre Diggs thirteen million at at nine. Marcus Williams for the Ravens recently signed at fourteen. Kevin Byard fourteen point one number seven for the Titans. Eddie Jackson number six fourteen point six for the Bears. Buda Baker fourteen point seven number five for the Cardinals. Justin Simmons fifteen point two. For the Denver Broncos at four. Harrison Smith for the Vikings, $16 million even at number two. And Minka just uh, eclipsed Jamal Adams' highest paid and the most overpaid and overrated safety in football at $17.6 million for the Seattle Seahawks. Boy, I guarantee you uh, Schneider would love to have uh, that trade back if he, if he was offered a mulligan opportunity. But anyway, where is Stanford Jesse Bates? I look at it like this. If you're Jesse Bates, you deserve to have, you deserve to get paid. You deserve to get paid. During the Muck and Meyer years where the Bengals were among the league's laughing stock, he was arguably the best player on the team. The 2019, the 2019 Bengals, Jesse Bates was the best player on the roster. Best player on the roster, best player on the team. One A.J. Green, one Hill, or not Hill, one Giovanni Bernard. It wasn't Joe Mixon. Damn sure one Andy Dalton. Tyler Eifert, uh-uh. Uh, or he, he might have been gone at that. Uh, he might have been gone at that time. But it wasn't any of those guys. 2019 Bengals, when they were the worst in the sport, Jesse Bates was the best player on the team. 2020, 2018, one of the best players on the team. So when you've been there through thick and thin, you've sat through the, the they went about they went about a, what the first two and a half months of the season in 2019 where they didn't have a win thanks to the, and then they finally got one thanks to the Jets, you know being laughed at, laughing stock of sport. Paul, they can't draw flies at Paul Brown Stadium. Teams a laughing stock, making fun of the order, no practice, same old song and dance. Jesse Bates is out there balling. 2020, Joe Burrow comes around, still playing off the charts. 2021, new uniforms, Joe is back. Here's Jamar Chase, the boot, T. Higgins, second year. I, I told you, I never will forget it. I predicted this team to go 7-10 and 10 heading into the 2021 season. They end up going 10-6, and 6, and that kind of seventh loss against Cleveland because week 18, game meant nothing. They went 10-6. and 6. Ten and seven, but they went ten and six, won the division, won the Super Bowl, or excuse me, won the AFC. I wish they won the Super Bowl, won the AFC Championship game. Everything that they did in all three of the playoff games, you don't need me to tell you again. Went to the Super Bowl, came to Nylash and winning it. And oh, by the way, Jesse Bates had a stellar playoff. Had a stellar playoff run. Very good. Made some critical key plays in the Raider game. Uh, had an interception in Tennessee in the Tennessee game in the second round was phenomenal against Kansas City in the championship game in the second half and had a and had a nice interception in the end zone when Vernon Hargrave decided to act like an ass and run on the football field with his Nike slides on and had an and had an interception in the Super Bowl off of Matthew Stafford. So, so he he's earned his keep. I understand he had a down regular season in 2021, but when you had the playoffs run. And, and, and the playoffs that he had on the back end of it in January, whatever he did from September to December, you wipe your hands clean of and you throw it out the window. This guy's earned his keep. 
He's earned his due. He's paid his dues. He deserves to get rewarded and he deserves to get paid. He should be top, he should be top one of the top five highest paid safeties in the game. Top he should jump from five to no lower. He should jump from ten to no lower than five. My thing is with Jesse is that if you really enjoy being a Cincinnati Bengal, and I'm not questioning whether or not he loves it. I'm not doing that. I'm, I, I've, read, I've read the quotes. I've, I, I've, heard the, I've heard the players speak at the media. I've heard Zach Taylor speak. Jesse Bates is a locker room favorite. He, he's, he's, got a, he's got a C. He's got a captain patch on his jersey for a reason. Not just by sure happenstance because it looks cute and looks nice on the new Bengals uniforms. Okay, He's a captain. of the, One of the captains on the team. Lock, big time locker room guy, loved and beloved and looked up to by everybody. He's a leader in that team and in that locker room, and certainly a a a a a a, a, a superior leader on the defensive side of the football. Loved by every single person within that organization, coaching staff, Lou Anarumo, Zach Taylor, Burrow, the quarterback, everybody. You won't find a single pl- person within the Bengals locker room, coaches and players, to say a negative thing about Jesse Bates. Nor will you with the fan base either. But if Bates wants to be here long term and also wants to continue being in this window that the Bengals are currently in, where Joe Burrow ain't making a whole hell of a lot of money, they got more talent up and down the roster, up and down to 53 that you can shake a stick at. And their name and their and the team's names in the conversation of Super Bowl favorites coming out of the AFC and, uh, and in the conversation of being the favorites to win the division in the AFC North. Jesse, unless they pull some less Sneed LA Ram salary cap voodoo magic, voodoo black magic, Jesse Bates's goal should not be to make more money than Minka Fitzpatrick. Unless they can pull some crap that they know about that I don't. His goal should not be to make 19, 20, 25 million dollars a year. And I'm not saying that because he's not worth it. I'm saying if he wants to continue to enjoy the situation that he's at right now, being on a championship contending team while their quarterback is on, while their star quarterback, the best player on the team, and and, and, and a top dog leader on the team is making chump change in comparison to what Mahomes and Rodgers and Brady and them is making, you you do not want to be making, a, you do not want to be making exponentially more than what Minka Fitzpatrick is making. You don't want to 25, 25, 27, 24-ish million dollars. In my opinion, in my mind, because you know down the road, the Bengals are going to have to pay, and this is the it's a it's a good dilemma to have. Don't get me wrong. But you know down the road, the team's going to have to pay Burrow, Chase right after that, Tyler Boyd 
believe it or not, his kind, you know, he's one of the more older, he's one of the more, not old, well, he is one of the more older ones, but older, not in that sense. He, he's, one, he's one of the few players remaining on that roster that's a carryover from the Marvin Lewis days. I'll put, I'll, that's, that's right, that's, that's the way to put it. He's one of the few play, few, few good players and few very talented players that are, and longest tenured players that are carryovers from the Marvin Lewis days. He's, and he's no slouch of a wide receiver either. There are plenty of teams, <coughs> Ravens, that, <coughs> Steelers, that could use a Tyler Boyd on their team, and he being on their team instantly, he would be the number one wide receiver on the depth chart in their wide receiving room. Raven, Ravens, Steelers, Ravens, Steelers, Chiefs, without even thinking about it, um, Titans, Colts, without, I'm just naming teams off that without even thinking about it. And especially, and you may say, all right, well, let Tyler Boyd walk. You don't want Tyler Boyd, you know, he's from Pittsburgh, went to Pitt. You don't want him to be facing him twice so you're going to get him wearing the black and yellow. But trust me, you don't. You don't want him falling into the Ravens' hands either. So you, you got to take it. Now, he won't ask for as much because he's already, because it's not going to be his first payday. But, and you can, and he can, I would imagine he would sense his role that he's, you know, that it's the, that he's the older guy, so they're not going to require him as much as they would T and Jamar. But you got Jamar on the books, T right after him, Burrow priority number one with the quarterback position. Not to mention players on the, you're going to have to worry about Von Bell's deal's going to be up pretty shortly. Logan Wilson, the linebacker out of Wyoming. A lot of guys. And you went out and you spent a little bit. Now, uh, believe me, I'm not complaining. But you don't have as much abundance of cap space as you did prior to when you revamped the offensive line in March. So keep that in mind as well. It's a good problem to have if you're a Bengals fan. A good problem to have if you're the Bengals. You know, but you got to be able to spend your money wisely and manipulate the contracts wisely. All I got to say is that whatever loophole the Rams have been using for them to sign all these guys, I hope and pray that the Bengals are smart enough and are doing their little research and get on the phone with the Rams right now and do the same damn thing. Because they got they got three best They've re-signed and got new contracts, three best players on the team. Stafford, Cup, Aaron Donald. If the Bengals can do the same for... If the Bengals can do the same for Burrow, Chase... And Bates, that'd be a home run. And I don't know about you, but or I'm, I don't know about you, but but what I have gotten, what I have gotten from Joe just in a press conference today, he spoke to me earlier this week after practice. What I got from Joe when he gets asked about contracts and this, I get the feeling from Joe that. He is more occupied with being on a winning team than he is about being the highest paid player in the sport. I could be wrong, and I don't want to put words in his mouth, 
But from the little innuendos that I've seen and the innuendos that I've heard and just by his body language, I, I, I can sense a feeling that Joe Burrow's going to go out there and ask for Patrick Mahomes' money. Because he sees, he asked for Patrick Mahomes' money and Tyree Kill, who wanted his money, is no longer on Kansas City. He's with the Dolphins. And he and I believe Joe Burrow knows, and he never is going to say this, Joe Burrow also probably knows in the back of his mind, Kansas City is not going to be as good this season just offensively alone because Tyree Kill isn't, because Tyree Kill isn't on the team anymore. Because, because Tyron Matthew is gone too. So I hope, and, I, and him seeing Brady and knowing that Brady never makes top dollar and his teams always, you know, have money to spend. I hope, I hope in my heart of hearts, I hope and pray that Joe Burrow is observant in that aspect and sees that, that there is a catch and there is a price to pay when you go out and you spend a fortune to make sure your quarterback stays, but yet you can't get anybody else. See, I hope he has saw he's seen like the 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 the, the rise and fall, so to speak, of the Legion of Boom Seahawks. When Russell Wilson was wasn't making a whole hell of a lot of money, they went out there and they got they went out there and they got Greg Olson, made sure they had a good offensive line and the best defense in all of football. Russell Wilson gets paid. Their defense isn't as good as it used to be. They gotta let Earl Thomas go, gotta let Richard Sherman go. You know, offensive line isn't isn't as good as wasn't as good as they used to be. You know, next thing you know, Tyler Lockett's gone, Ricardo Lockett's gone. Um, who's the other wide receiver? Who's the other wide receiver that they had? Doug Baldwin said goodnight, and he basically got to rely on DK Metcalf while he's on the cheap. Few guys to assemble any some form of offense can't afford to pay Marshawn Lynch, and you're stuck with Chris Carson and uh, stuck with Chris Carson and the other running back. Um, I forget his I forget his name. His name uh, his name slips my mind. Ian, tell me who the uh, who the running back is I'm referring to. But I, I hope he's observing. He's been observant of that current trend, and I hope he's like you know what I don't want that. I yes I don't want to be playing for free, but do but is an imperative that I gotta make top dollar and be the highest paid quarterback in the sport. Yet, I yet my team can't afford to. Make sure that my buddies and my other teammates and the other best players on, on, on the team that make me so good on the offensive and defense side of is it worth it? I hope Joe Burrow somewhere in the back of his head or to himself in a room going, nah, it's not. I don't want to be playing for free. And I don't want to be essentially still playing, be still be playing football with my rookie salary. But is it worth it to be making all this money and me seeing my buddies go out the door to other teams? Knowing that yes, we'll be good because I'm here, but won't be as good as we could be with everybody else around me. I don't think it will be worth it. I, I hope. I hope that I hope that's in the back of his mind and the people that his girlfriend, mother, father, whoever is is saying, you know, Joe, if you if you really enjoy being in Cincinnati and you want to and you like this window of being a championship contender, you know that in a salary cap sport. You know, you cannot have your cake and eat it too. You can't be the highest paid player in the sport and have a complete roster from top to bottom and expect to win a championship year on a year-in, year-out basis. 
I hope Jesse realizes that, and I hope down the line, Burl recognizes that. I have a sense and I have a feeling that Burl recognizes that. Jesse Bates, I'm not so sure. Burl did say that he and Jesse are going to go to Vegas and I guess chop it up and spend a week, weekend, whatever there. Maybe, you know, Joe can say, listen, I love being here. I love having you here. I'm on the books to get paid and a whole lot of the players. Let's keep the band together as as much as we possibly We understand a couple, you know, year in and year out, a couple players are going to come. A couple players are going to come and go. We can't keep everybody. I understand it's a business, but if we can keep the 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 A, the A one that the one if we can keep the one A and one B players on the roster from both sides, players we need the Von Bells, the the Jesse Bates, the Bur- the Burrow Chase, uh, Higgins, Mixon, and then let the and then make sure we have a good offensive line and make sure and see and and fit in the pieces and then let the chips fall they may and so be it. You know, I, I I think, and again, nobody's telling me this. This is just my intuition and just me guessing and speaking on the fly. I think that Burrow is is going to use whatever trip he's got planned. Him and Jesse to Vegas. It's going to be like, listen, I know what you want. You know what our goal is this season. Got unfinished business. Is to get this contract taken care of. Get in a team-friendly way, manipulate, find ways to manipulate the cap, whatever you got to do, to make sure that you're on the field and playing with us this season and that you're a Cincinnati Bengal for the next four years minimum, four, four, four six, seven years, however long it's going to be, however long you want to be here. Let's make sure we that we have no distractions. It's all systems go, go time, and we're right, and we're playing in a Super Bowl again come February of 2023. That's what I think Burrow's going to tell Jesse Bates. And because of all that, that's why I think the little small, little minute rumor. I saw this. I saw this on Pro Football Talk. And, you know, that uh, that Burrow and 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 OBJ were coming on each other's Instagram feeds. We, we got enough people we got to worry about to get paid right now. OK, I do not need. A wide receiver coming off of a torn Achilles and a torn ACL injury, who's 30 years of age, who's an emotional volatile. I, I, I don't understand. He's an LSU guy. We got an LSU guy. His name is Jamar Chase. Okay, we got Chase, Chase, uh, Chase Higgins, and Boyd. We'll be all right. Okay, I don't. Uh, and if your question is, would you rather have in your team OBJ or 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 Tyler Boyd? I'd rather have Tyler Boyd. Okay. We all know Odell's Odell's great. He's talented. Played his ass off second half of the season and kind of rewrote the script with his uh, with his career with the Rams. Thirty years of age, twenty two years, two three years removed from a torn Achilles, and six months or so off off of, off of a torn torn ACL injury, and he can at times be an emotional roller coaster and can be a, a locker room cancer. We don't need that right now. We don't. Everything, the, the 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 what makes the what makes the Bengals so likable to 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 outside of Chief Raven and Steeler fan. What makes the Bengals so likable to the masses is that they're a low key introverted team. They're not that rah rah team that's going to get in your face. A la Avantes, perfect Adam Pacman Jones. We're going to get in your face and with 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 bravado and braggadocio. No. 
They're reserved. They're to themselves to keep their head down and just play football. That that's been their personality, and that's been like the the flow and the attitude that you that you're getting that you've gotten from this team over the last years. Yeah, they do their dances. Yeah, they have fun. Yeah, they smoke cigars. You know, with Burrow and Chase and and, and Mixon, and they and they do and they do end zone dances and and they gritty all this. But you know, that's what that's within the nature of having fun. You win, you play well, you score touchdowns. You're gonna do those. You it's the NFL in 2022. You're gonna do those type of things. But in general, they are a very low key introverted team on the surface. Why ruin that? Bringing in Odell Beckham Jr. He may be buddies with Burrow, and. You know, he, he went over to the sideline and then hugged and consoled Mike. So he, he may be cool with the Bengals, but I, I just, where, where things stand as far as who's got to get paid, what, I don't want to go near Odell Beckham Jr. Unless he is all right with making league minimum salary. Basically, Des Bryant on the Ravens. If he's okay with that, one, two-year deal, ain't making hardly nothing. All right, welcome aboard. Buy myself Odell Jersey. All of a sudden, become an Odell Beckham Jr. fan. But if he wants a little bit of a contract buffer, and we got we got it, we already d- dealing with Jesse Bates. We got all these other players online. We got to pay. Not worth the aggravation. Back to talk about Fernando Tatis to close out the show. This is the Amatella Cotillas podcast. As we welcome you back to the Amatella Cotillias podcast, a little quick order of business I want to address here, and then we'll say goodbye until the weekend. And that is the fact that San Diego Padres star shortstop and Fernando Tatis Jr. still is not uh, medically cleared to swing a bat yet. Wrist is still healing. This is uh, via the GM, A.J. Preller, said to the press on Tuesday, saying that uh, Fernando's surgically repaired left wrist that he hid from the team that he suffered in a motorcycle accident, of all things. Uh, it's still not uh, medically clear to swing a bat yet. He has had a three-month follow-up exam in Arizona on Monday. Uh, with the doctor that operated on his broken wrist in mid-March. MRI exam continues to show healing, but not enough for the doctor to give the full green light uh, to start uh, swinging a bat and playing in rehab games. More of a week-to-week decision going forward, says GM AJ Preller. Um, and from a front Tatis perspective, uh, you know, hopefully I... L- Hopefully, you know he's uh, he's learned his lesson. You know this guy made fourteen who signed a fourteen year three hundred forty million dollar contract, uh, fourteen year three hundred forty million dollar contract prior to last season. He is arguably on paper that now it isn't the case anymore because Manny Machado, his partner in crime on the left side of the infield, has absolutely just kicked ass and taken names for the first time since essentially he's won. He's worn my uh, Baltimore Orioles uh, uniform back how many years ago? About, what, four, four, five years ago? It seemed like it's been that long since Man Machado was, like, in the conversation of, in the conversation of best player in the sport. Um, he So he's picking up the slack. But, you know, hopefully Fernando Tatis has learned his lesson. You know, was it really worth it? Making all that money, knowing how 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 good of a how good of a player you are, uh, not just to your team but to the sport, you, your pop your popularity across the sport, and you're making money hand over. Was it worth it to hop on a motorcycle to to run the risk of getting in an accident to break your wrist to have it operated on to the point where you're missing 
what, you miss all of April, all of May, you're going to miss all of June, and probably all of July. And, uh, and you won't see for now Tatis uh, until, until August. Uh, you know, so was it was it worth it? That's the only thing I got to say to Fernando Tatis Jr. was is is was it worth it? And the answer and 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 the answer is no. Making too much money, too valuable, too important to his team, too good of a player to his team and to the sport as a whole, for him to risk injury and risk his career hopping on a damn motorcycle. Okay, something, some, some things you do, some things you do when you're when you're not in the position and not making money that Fernando Tatis is making and hold and hold the job that Fernando Tatis is making. There's some things you do do and some things you don't do. Some things you don't do is riding a motorcycle. When you're, you know, three hundred forty million dollars over the next fourteen years, and the guy, and your professional athlete, best player on your team, and you're riding a motorcycle, and we discussed this when it happened back in March, but I'll say it again: completely irresponsible, stupid, asinine, to the to the tenth degree, just dumb. Hopefully, he's learned his lesson. Now, the Padres, fortunately enough for him. Uh, they've been, and Manny Machado, of course, is a big part of that, has been able to pick up the slack. They've won seven out of the last ten games. They're currently tied with the Dodgers in first place in the National League West with a current record as of, as of, uh, this time, as of this moment, this moment in time on Wednesday with a 39 and 24 record, 619 winning percentage, tied first place with the Dodgers in the West, won seven out of the last ten games. They've won the last two games that they've played, plus 58 winning percentage. They're are a remarkable 22 and 11 away from Petco Park. Only four games above five runs. You still got to f- straighten that out. They are still a very average, uh, average mid ball club at home. Only four games above 500 at seven at 17 and 13 at home at Petco Park. But they're a sensational 22 11 away from Petco Park. They currently uh, have a series, uh, have a series. This in a four game weekend set on a Thursday, Friday, and throughout and through the weekend on Father's Day weekend in Chicago against the Cubs. So we'll see how the uh, how the Padres doing there, and of course Manny Machado doing a sensational job. Uh, one of the guys in the sport I still got love for, former Baltimore Orioles that should have never been a former Baltimore had not those had not those uh, jerk offs that is the Angels family run the team. Uh, but Manny Machado is having the best season he's had since he left the Orioles. Well, not left the Orioles, but got traded from the Orioles in Ju- back in July of 2018. He's having his first uh, he's having his first good season outside of the four one zero. You know, in about four or five years, so we give Manny Machado tremendous credit for uh, carrying the load for his buddy Fernando Tatis while he's been out. With the injury, and that is your program. And another episode of the Amatelicatelius podcast and books. If you like what you heard, new to the program, please not hesitate to subscribe as I get the suit and tie outro music uh, organized. Uh, as we get that organized, if you like what you heard, new to the program, and you uh, enjoyed the show, do not hesitate to subscribe. Follow your boy. On Twitter and Instagram at the J Shield, as my uh, I told you guys, I broke my iPhone 8 Plus, so this iPhone 6 is hunk of garbage, is giving me fits. Hopefully, I'll be able to get a new phone within the next few weeks, so afford enough money or make enough money, excuse me, to buy myself a new one as I am struggling 
to get the Justin Timberlake suit and tie outro, uh, outro uh, song, outro music to uh, cooperate. Uh, follow your boy on Twitter and Instagram at the J Shield. Follow the show on Instagram at Emma Tell It underscore podcast. The show on Twitter at Amatel underscore it T-I-S. Don't forget to uh, participate in the poll question of the episode. Uh, Should the the Cincinnati Bengals give Jesse Bates a contract extension? Yes or no? Um, Anything else? Uh, Enjoy game five. No, game six on Thursday night uh, between Golden State and Boston. Uh, I will talk to you guys on Father's Day weekend. It's a busy weekend for yours truly with it being Father's Day. I will make it my top priority to make sure that I give you, you that I give you guys my two cents at the bare minimum on the uh on game six of the NBA Finals. As we got the music organized. There we go, got the music organized. It's your boy Jai Shields. I will talk to you this weekend. Y'all stay safe. Enjoy game six and take care. Peace and love. God bless. See ya.